This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. Here's I got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big line? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Why do you think Fox is failing? I think the network is falling apart because of a lack of leadership. Obviously, Roger was one of a kind. I was watching a video earlier today of Rush Limbaugh when he came up to the Hudson Valley for Roger being named the Good Scout. And he talked about how Roger was such a unique man with such a perspective and a love for America who never sacrificed his principles and his values. And I think the decline of Fox can be told as a story of three or perhaps four T's. Uh, that would be Tucker, trust, talent, and of course, President Trump. Uh, imagine if the network had not fired Tucker. Now, we could, we could imagine that Tucker got the president to participate in a debate or perhaps at least give an interview, maybe not at the same time. But imagine that how many people would have watched that? Imagine that Roger built the network over 20 years with by earning the audience's trust. And trust is something that takes a lot of hard work. And he understood that. I believe Rupert, the major Murdoch, and Lachlan, the minor Murdoch, do not understand America the way Roger did because they weren't born here. They don't have the love of country, in my opinion, that only comes from being born here. And Roger used to say something to me really important. He'd say, the American people are very smart. And I heard President Trump say that to Tucker in the interview that took place at the same time as the debate. He said, people get it. They know what's going on. And sadly for America, we're in a very dangerous situation and they should have Fox News to go to, but it is not the brand that it once was. Fox News and the Wall Street Journal fight me because Murdoch is a globalist. That's right, Rupert Murdoch is a globalist. You don't know that. And I am America first. It's very simple. I put America first. It will always be that way, so get used to it. The sanctimonious, by the way, is done. He was a Murdoch pick. Just like uh, Jeb Bush was a Murdoch pick. How did that work out? Just like Hillary Clinton. Murdoch liked Hillary Clinton. Crooked Hillary. And uh, that was another pick of Murdoch. No, uh, we are about America first, and some people don't like that. The Wall Street Journal has totally lost its way. Uh, they say anything that happens to come to mind. They push the sanctimonious so hard, and now they're looking for somebody else because he's failed. He's fallen like a rock. He's fallen like a very badly injured bird out of the sky. But I just want to thank everybody for the tremendous support you've given me. We're leading in the polls by 50 and 60 points, and we're beating Biden by 5, 6, 7, 11. We have a lot of great polls with Biden. The guy 
Can't put two sentences together. How can he win? So thank you all very much. Thursday, 31 August, year of our Lord, 2023. It's President Trump. He's doing now these kind of mini uh, videos up on True Social. We're going to try to aggregate as many of these as possible. John McLaughlin, his pollster with a blockbuster poll, is going to join us in the 6 o'clock hour to go through it. I have Dr. Seb Gorka right here. Is that is that what this fight is? Or, by the way, breaking news from the Daily Mail today, the largest, I think, or the second largest, or the largest super PAC financed by one individual for uh, Governor DeSantis has uh, shut down operations today. And in fact, it's announced that the donor himself may actually give money to Trump. So blockbuster news there, the super PAC uh, rolled up shop. And they said because too many rookie mistakes from the team around DeSantis, the, uh, Governor DeSantis and also Governor DeSantis himself. Dr. Seb Gorka, whether it's at the, uh, the federal level, whether you have it in Georgia between the grassroots and Kemp, who's kind of a Bush apparatchik, or you have uh, Ken Paxson is going to be um, going to be tried starting on Tuesday down in Texas, uh, where it's the grassroots versus uh, the Bush Hunter, Carl Rove down there. Uh, is President Trump right? Is this globalist versus the America first populist nationalist? And, and Murdoch is a representative with the wall editorial page of The Wall Street Journal, what, which I know, you know, very well, really puts forward a globalist take on things. And the reason they hate Trump so much and hate they do because they're after him every day, probably even more than the Democrats, is because he's an America first nationalist, sir. Counsel, I do believe that is a leading question. Um, can we just uh, that that story from the uh, the mail about the super PAC for the sadness? Can, can we just talk about the buried lead for a second, Steve? Now, what's the what's sure, the, sure. the super? The name of the super PAC is never back down. Um, I guess the never back down super PAC is hold back it, hold down. it. Is this is this is <laughs> is this Ron to the rescue or never back down? Is it never back down? I knew it was one of the two. No, it's but that shows Seb. Seb, when have you? La- when's the last time you saw a super PAC funded by essentially one guy writes a massive check that he's out before we hit we, he's out before he hit Labor Day, sir? And all this garbage about you know rookie, rookie mistakes from the people in the pack and the comps. Excuse me, can we just? I, I used it on my Newsmax show this week. Just that still photograph. This guy's a former Jag who worked with the SEALs, is a combat veteran, and he has to look at the women. In, you know, he has to look at Haley. He, he has to look at everybody else before he raises his hand. I mean, that's not a rookie mistake. That's a character flaw of epic proportions, whether it's the Monday after the Bragg indictment leak saying, oh, I don't know about hush money for porn stars, or whether it's what kind of child, what kind of, like a, maybe a four-year-old looks around the classroom, you know, would you like some cake, Timmy? Uh, 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 yeah, I'll put my hand up. I mean, that's not a rookie mistake. That's a, that's a character defect. So God bless, you know, President Trump for not hold, going hold to it. a debate. Hold it. Go ahead. I, I, want, I, I want to get on. Hang on. I want to get on this. You're saying when they ask that. And, and Ramaswamy put his hand up right away, and, and, and DeSantis had to look left or right, and then gave the little uh, half push up. Your 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 point is right there. You saw everything you need to know about the man because that's a a, a right. manifestation of character. Look, look, 
keep your hand down, you know, be, be, be a, a, a psychotic Trump hater like Chris Christie, or put it up like a man. I mean, I think it was, you know, one of Elon Musk's new SpaceX rockets. I think Vivek's, you know, forearm shot up at like, you know, 10 Gs or minus Gs, the speed with it. But, but think about, you know, hey, have a pair of balls to, to actually stand by your decision and not copycat others. And then B, what's the question he's asked? Let's just stop. I mean, this, this goes to everything you said on that stage on CPAC. What was it, 2016? This is about the administrative states. What was the question, Steve? Would you pardon President Trump if he is convicted and you become president? And Ron DeSantis has to think twice about whether it's okay for Fannie Willis, scion of the Black Panthers, Jack Smith, unanimous smackdown by the Supreme Court as a political prosecutor, whether it's okay for Judge Chutkan, who worked for 12 years for Flexner Boys, the same law company where Hunter Biden was her colleague and where she actually hired Fusion GPS. Ron DeSantis has to think twice about whether or not political charged prosecutions are a bad thing in America. And, and again, on a, on a deficit, he isn't some kind of tech CEO like, you know, Vivek. He's not some establishment Paul who's been around for decades like Pence. This is a guy who was a prosecutor. This is a man who should know more than anybody else the dangers of using the court system as a political weapon, and then he has to look around. What a disgrace, Steve. I know as a strategist, you and I have talked about, in, in strategy, you have to have the, the strategic um, overview and a strategic plan, but you also have to execute in the moment. And it's that unforgiving yeah. minute that is central to the to the what we call the hinge of history of which yeah. way human agency drives things. I want to go back to that stage. You and I often talk about in the White House how you have to step in and own a decision. You have to yeah. walk into the room and own the room because you own the decision. You have to have the ability to basically own that moment. Is that the biggest is that the biggest thing that we took away from uh, that debate was Ron DeSantis just does not have the right stuff? Wow. So so let, let's talk about this for a second. Let, let's talk about what, what it means to act and, and, and uh, think strategically. My old boss, the uh, the chair of the uh, Irregular Warfare Department, who um, <laughs> is such a lunatic, he was a cadet at West Point. Uh, and in his summer break, instead of going home to sleep for two months, he actually went to Laos and to Vietnam during the war. And they actually thought he was a senior officer. They, they, they didn't realize this guy is just a cadet. He's the guy who knows more about irregular warfare than you know maybe anybody outside of Van Krefeld or Lutvak. And my old boss, Tom Mark, said, y you know what the art of warfare is, whether it's irregular or conventional? You've got to play for the breaks. What does that mean? You know, you were your chief strategist. I was your deputy. It, it doesn't matter how good your plan is, whether it's a political one or a military one. It never survives past first contact with the enemy. Therefore, the real acumen, as Clausewitz would put it, put it the, the, the acme of the commander is how you react to things that weren't planned. Because strategy and planning is an exercise. You, you never get to execute the strategy you want because life isn't a computer game. Life is life. 
So the question is, when the unforeseen occurs, when there's that sudden gap in the line of the enemy, when something comes out of left field you didn't plan for, how do you respond? That is the true measure of, of, of not only a leader, but actually of a man. And you saw it, that, that question that I, I'm going to measure myself by other people. Uh, you, we, we could talk for hours, Steve, about what it meant to be um, somebody working for President Trump. Was there, was there ever any doubt in our minds about what he meant? Ever. Ever. On any issue. I mean, I, I, you, you remember that moment? We've discussed it, I think, before where it's, it's, it's time to make a decision. Every six months, we have to make a decision on this travesty that is the, the Obama-Iran deal, the JCPOA-Iran deal. And it was, you know, that six-month uh, window was around the corner. And he had all the cabinet members in front of him uh, around the resolute desk. He had, you know, HR, he had Mnuchin, he had, um, you know, all, all the key players. He had Tillerson. And then he, he calls on the phone through the front office, get Gork, get Bannon in here. And he said, <laughs> you remember how he introduced us as his heavies? He said, all right, heavies, tell these guys why the, why the Iran deal is a crock of crap for the American people and why it's dangerous. And then we, this, we knew we were just going through the motions because we knew what he decided already. But, he, you know, we, we were the guys to tell, you know, you know, the likes of Tillerson, yes, it's bad. The Europeans are cucks. And this actually makes Americans dangerous. It threatens us because it nuclearifies Iran. So we, we gave them the spiel. And then what did he do? Boom, kill. I mean, outside of that moment in the Rose Garden, when he pulled us out of the TTP and he said... Uh, he said, uh, I, I was elected by the citizens of Pittsburgh, not Paris, you know, and the, the, the Paris Climate Accords were a load of garbage. Uh, outside of that moment, for me, the proudest moment in the White House was when we were the front men for a decision he already made. There, was there ever a doubt in your mind that President Trump was going to build the wall, crush ISIS, uh, pull us out of the, the Obama-Iran deal? Of course there wasn't. Because he was an alpha male, and this goes to a deeper discussion. They hate him. Why? Why, is, why do we have this mugshot of President Trump? Because they don't have COVID to, to steal the election. Yeah. And they also hate him because he's an alpha male. This is personal hey, for them, Steve. Hey, 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 hang on. We're going to continue this. Dr. Seb Gorka, my deputy in the White House, and now a major media star in his own right, joins us on the other side. As central banks and countries like China, India, Australia begin transitioning to a digital currency, the Federal Reserve has been contemplating the same for the United States of America. With a digital currency, the government could track every single purchase you make. Officials could even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or even easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. These are some of the reasons concerned Americans reach out to Birch Gold Group. They want to have a physical asset that's independent from the U.S. dollar. Gold held tax sheltered in a retirement account. Remember, gold held in your tax sheltered retirement account. Learn if gold is right for you. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, 298-9898. That's Bannon, 989898. And Birch Gold will send you a free information kit today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, 
thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold has been helping my listeners and viewers from the very beginning of the show. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold because of a central bank digital currency becomes reality. It'll be nice to have some gold to depend on. Take action. Use your agency. Do it today. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bass. Seb, I want to get back to, I'll get back to the alpha male part of it in a second in the mugshot, but I want to go back to something because I don't think uh, two things, um, two huge things happened, major events uh, that had a direct um, uh, impact immediately on the direction of the country was, number one, taking down the ISIS caliphate, which President Obama, rightly at that time, said was a generational issue. And this was a physical caliphate. I'm not talking about something on the cyber. I'm talking about a physical caliphate yeah. at the time that was bigger than Iraq or Syria as an entity. So I'm going to get this. The other was the contraction of the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. President Trump, because ever since 2008, the whole system to work and for the least to work is to use the Federal Reserve and to use the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve to push in liquidity into the market. Now we have nine and a half. But it's not just the thirty four trillion dollars of face amount on the U.S. Treasury. It's also the nine and a half trillion dollars on the Fed, which is their way to kind of juice the system. Trump. When, when, when we took over from Obama, it had gone from $880 billion under Bush to $3.5 trillion under President Obama because Obama was told at the time, you need to do this to keep the system afloat. Trump took, now it's $9.5 trillion. Trump took almost $1 trillion off the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, his Federal Reserve chairman, Yellen. Contraction. And he still built that economy, that economy that had over 3% growth, had wages up. It's extraordinary. I want to go back to ISIS because you were very involved in this. People forget President Obama had told us it was a generational problem. The reason he said that, that's what the Pentagon was telling him and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They had created a physical caliphate larger than Iraq or Syria right there in the middle. They had oil revenues, they had tax revenues, they had everything. And President Trump said, I will commit to the American people that that will be gone. And it was gone, I think, slightly outside of a year, year and a half of the administration. Talk about about his owning decisions as commander in chief, not like what happened in Afghanistan, commander in chief to take down the physical caliphate of ISIS. Well, look, credit goes to you for, for focusing on that phrase and getting us to focus on that phrase that, you know, the physical caliphate uh, of ISIS must be destroyed. And the fact is, within five months of um, getting the lawyers out of the way at DOD, we unleashed Delta, we unleashed JSOC, and, and you know, they, they crushed it. And I, I don't get wonky here, but can we just understand what ISIS was in the history of all insurgencies, the history of all insurgencies, no insurgency has captured and controlled territory in multiple theaters like ISIS. Not only was it the territory of Iraq and Syria, we're talking about the territory of Nigeria as well. Boko Haram was an ISIS affiliate. They changed their name to the you know, ISIS affiliate of Africa, which means what? It means that the caliph, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, is the caliph of territory, not just in the Middle East, but in Africa, never seen before. And that's why you know Obama, who thought, Terrorism comes from poverty. He said, this is a generational threat. You're just going to have to learn to live with it. Bullshit. Kill them. Kill them. You know, give them a dirt nap and let, you know, God judge them. And we did. And just, can we just stop for a second and have a kind of sanity check? I mean, seriously. 
Do you remember ISIS was a daily news story before we came to the White House? A daily freaking news story. Whether it's Daniel Pearl literally having his head cut off on camera, whether it's our allies and partners like the Jordanians having one of their brave fighter pilots burnt alive in a cage and filmed, or whether it's, you know, the Yazidi women being sold as sex slaves. This was a daily thing. Who talks about ISIS now, Steve? When was the last time we talked about ISIS, except, you know, the guys were being picked up on the terror watch that, list, that, that Mallorca is being left, allowed into the country? Well, that's the key, because the Middle East, the pivot to Asia, you can pivot to Asia and focus on China, as you and I discussed. Once you've taken care of business, the reason Obama couldn't do it, and remember, Biden was in charge of that. That's what it gets to all these impeachment things about the money coming from CEFC, not just simply yeah. Ukraine, from the Chinese Communist Party. He was in charge. You can't pivot to Asia until you take care of ISIS. Now the Middle East, you've got to take care of force. That's Trump. My point I want to get to you, though, on that stage, because I didn't watch it, and I'm not going to watch it. It's a sideshow. But on that stage, did you see anybody that had the, the ability and the moral courage to step into a decision and to own the decision? This is what's key when you're commander-in-chief, to own the decision, to see it through and do it. Did you see anybody, including Ron DeSantis, who prided himself in being able to do that? Ron, I didn't come up with this, but it's a perfect description. During that event, he became the incredible disappearing man. You know, he, he tried to sound good at the beginning, and then he became an irrelevance. I mean, it's like it's like he, the picture faded out and he disappeared. There, there was a vituperation. Now, we, we saw Vivek slam everybody as bought and sold, which is kind of like, really, Vivek? Okay. I mean, everybody's bought and sold on that stage. I'm not sure that's the, the thing you want to say about everybody. And then, of course, you know, Ambassador uh, uh, Nikki Haley zinged him back on his ap absolute amateurism when it comes to foreign policy. And he didn't do his homework. You can't say the stuff about, you know, cutting off aid to Israel, completely crash and burn on that issue seven days ago, and then not have something better to say in front of the former ambassador to the, the UN who is, I, I'm no fan of hers, but she she was the most, you know, philo-Semitic ambassador we've had at the UN in, in decades, if not ever. So there was vituperation, there was spice, there was, you know, urine and, and vinegar, but there was nobody who said, there's nobody who left you with a feeling that, yeah, if that guy goes into battle, if he if he climbs over the trench, uh, the trench wall, I'm going to follow him. And that's all that matters. That, for, nobody remembers debates for policy issues. Name me one debate where somebody said, yeah, that was a real thing or an agricultural policy. People remember the de debates because of what? Uh, Nixon didn't shave. Uh, JFK looked cool. Uh, little Marco, uh, lying Ted. It's, it's the connection. It's the it's the aphorisms. It's it's the authenticity. Nobody on that stage looked authentic, Steve. And of course, who's the most authentic guy in America? Because he's not a politician. It's the guy who's now an outlaw and who's on a mugshot. Um. Is the uh, by the way, you and I will, will beg to differ on Nikki Haley and 
and, and, and particularly her policies on Ukraine. No, I've said from day one, she's ambitious as Lucifer. OK, oh my God. <laughs> I'm not a I'm fan. Not, but whenever Nikki Haley <laughs> pops up on my feed, all I do is I repost a photograph of her with that big grin standing next to John Brennan. That's who Nikki Haley is. A, 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 a neocon to her heart. Um, yeah. I want to go back to I've got John McLaughlin on at the six o'clock hour to walk through this latest poll. Do you think this is a direct result of the lawfare that's against President Trump? These polling numbers are now on fire. African-American men yeah. are now trending to uh, President Trump. Hispanic men. Is, is it because they see him as a uh, not just an outlaw, but a folk hero? Is that what the mugshot did? Somebody said it uh, right after the the uh, the, the um, arraignment and the, the arrest. <laughs> How stupid are these people, Steve? What, what what do Americans love, you know, above all else? It's the outlaw. Whether it's Josie Wales or the Dukes of Hazard, we love outlaws, uh, and they think this is going to hurt him that he's got a mugshot. And then my friend Kathy, immediately when she, when she saw the mugshot, she texted me and said, I've seen that picture before. And she sent me a photograph of the American Eagle. Look at that, I, I found an American Eagle, and I put it next to the mugshot. That, that look, I'm America and I'm here for you. I mean, that, that, that what, seven million in 24 hours? He sold, what, 24,000 T-shirts in a week? They're, this is the joy of the yeah. battle we're in. They're morons. They're evil bastards. But they're cretinous, clinical imbeciles. They literally have made him stronger <laughs> than he's ever been. The question is what Tucker, what Dan Bongino, even Alan Dershowitz on my show said. If you hate him this much, are you going to kill him? I don't know, Steve. Boy, Remember what they tried to do to we'll Kavanaugh? get that back. You, you and I will discuss that uh, next week, because when Tucker's brought it up a couple of times, it's serious enough to put on the table. So I think a lot of people around President Trump are quite concerned about this. Seb, uh, I got to bounce. Where do, get, where do we go to get all your content? Because, brother, you're on fire like you've never been before. <laughs> I appreciate it. Something happens when I come on the war room. I don't know what it is. You trigger me in a good way, Steve. SebGorka.com. The Substack is SebastianGorka.com. Get the podcast. Download it. Uh, get get. Uh, we've got the mugshot T-shirts and mugs at the SebGorkaStore.com. Uh, just plug me in anywhere where where you know you're not being uh, censored and check us out on Rumble. And God God bless the hobbits. Thank you very much. Uh, Seb reminds me of our discussions in my small little cubby hole over there in the West Wing. So thank you so much, sir. Thanks, brother. Good times. Appreciate it. <laughs> Good times. Um, we're going to take a short commercial break. I want everybody, one of the things we're going to get into in the 6 o'clock hour is also talk to John McLaughlin, not just about the polling, but issues coming up. In the when the House returns, this deals with this massive two trillion dollar in perpetuity deficit. It's a structural problem now. It's got to be addressed. We can't look the other way because we are going to destroy not just the American economy and working class people in this country. We are going to destroy every generation to come, and we will be cursed with not dealing with this. The first. Part
part to understand is understand currency. It's one of the things we've been trying to teach people here or to lay out the information so you can teach yourself about currency. Make sure you go to birchgold.com slash Bannon right now. Make sure you get the end of the dollar empire. It's a three-part series. We're going to add a fourth part in uh, in mid-September. We're going to give you some more analytics on that. Also talk to the Birch Gold team about why the Federal Reserve's focus on a central bank digital currency while the central banks of the global south, the folks that control the resources, are buying gold at record rates in 22 and 23. Just ask them. Ask them. Get the, get the answer. Then you think about it. I'm just trying to give you information. We're going to take a short commercial break. Return with Dr. Robert Epstein in a moment. Bring it on and I will fight to the end. Just watch and see. It's all started. Everything's begun. And you are over. Because we're taking down the CCP. Spread the word all through Hong Kong. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, And COVID taxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee, and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bath. Welcome back. Uh, my uh, good friends, Dr. Uh, Peter Schweitzer and Matthew Taylor made a film a number of years ago. Dr. Robert Epstein was the star of that. Sir, you've been fighting um, the big tech oligarchs many, many years, and you've been warning the American people. And you do this not as some MAGA right wing, you know, crazy person like Steve Bannon and the rest. You've done this for many, many years. Uh, and you, but you've warned the American people and said, hey, there's something happening here that's really never happened before in American history, and we're ceding power as a republic and as free citizens to a oligarchy of, of uh, technologists or technocrats that has been unforeseen in the history of this country. Can you walk through, I just want to talk about your journey, about how you found this out, why you started warning people about this, and then bring us up to today. Well, first of all, Steve, uh, back in 1961, in that famous uh, last speech of Eisenhower's when he uh, was uh, stepping down from the presidency, you know, he warned about the rise of military-industrial complex. That's true. But actually, go look at the speech. He also warned about the rise of a technological elite that could control public policy without people's knowing. 
And as I said in the chapter I recently wrote for a book for Hillsdale College, uh, the technological elite are now in control. And the public hasn't been paying attention to this. Uh, this is something I've been studying now uh, with rigorous scientific methodology for more than 11 years. The public has not been, uh, been paying attention to this for the very simple reason that the technological elite uh, companies like Google, which is a big mind control machine, have been redirecting uh, people's attention to other issues such as election fraud, voter fraud. And all those, those messages that you're getting about election fraud, those are actually imposed on you by Google and other tech companies. They want you to look over there. They're doing what magicians do. They want you to look over there so you don't look at them. I've been looking at them, and what I've been finding over the years is so disturbing. And each year we get more and more data. We publish our studies in peer-reviewed journals. We present at scientific meetings. This is very serious work. And the bottom line on this is that if we don't push Google out of the 2024 election, they will be able to shift between 6.4 million and 25.5 million votes in any direction they choose. And of course, you and I both know what direction that is. It's the direction I happen to like and you don't like. But the point is, I don't, I don't think we should allow that. I don't think we should, we should ever have turned over uh, our elections, our republic to uh, basically tech lords, and what they can do, they can do on a massive scale, they can do it largely invisibly, and I have the data, I have the numbers, we're going to be filing a first formal complaint against Google with the Federal Election Commission next month, and the numbers are astonishing, and again, I can go on and on and on in detail, I could talk for hours, and we, we have to make the public aware and we also have to find the funding we need to turn this monitoring system that we've been building into a permanent nationwide system that's operating in all 50 states. I'll just tell you one more thing here and then I'll let you ask some questions. As of this morning, we have crossed over. Uh, we now have more than 11,000 field agents in all 50 states. We're monitoring big tech content 24 hours a day through their computers. These are the real American heroes, by the way. And we have preserved more than 38 million ephemeral experiences on Google and other platforms. Ephemeral experiences are those fleeting experiences you have online, like getting search results, news feeds, YouTube sequences. Those are the, that's the content that they use to manipulate our opinions and our votes, or the votes at least of undecided voters, uh, and our children. That's what they use, ephemeral experiences. And normally those are lost forever and not stored anywhere. That's why they use those for manipulation. We have built systems, bigger and bigger systems since 2016 to capture those experiences, to archive them so they can be used by the FEC, by lawyers. They can be used to sue. They can be used to help uh, form meaningful regulations and laws. And this system must exist. We must push these companies out of the 2024 election, and we must get them out of our kids' heads because they are indoctrinating our children. 
So I want to go back just for a second. Um, you've been doing this for 11 years, and the reason Schweitzer and Matthew Taylor had you in that film, you come at this with a very rigorous scientific approach, peer-reviewed journals, and no one's really argued with your findings. But why is it in 11 years, when you have an individual like yourself and other people that have been rallied to your cause, how can we be in a situation 11 years that you would, I think, argue we may be in worse shape today than we were 11 years ago to the fact of you could actually, you just said, can manipulate a movement of 25.5 million votes in the 2024 election, sir? Well, there are a couple reasons, and uh, Senator Cruz had me testify before Congress about my work. Uh, later, he invited me to D.C. We had a four-hour private dinner. We just talked tech for four hours. We never talked politics, just tech. Uh, the guy is brilliant, and uh, he understands the nature of these issues. And so I asked him the same question you just asked me, and he said, well, it's obvious. It's, he said it's because the public, the, re, the Democrats, rather, uh, in Congress won't do anything about this because they're the ones being helped by Google and, to a lesser extent, other tech companies. And he said, and the Republicans won't do anything because... They don't like regulation. He said, so these companies have absolutely free reign and no one is going to do anything, even if we're kind of posturing and promising to do something. He said, no one's going to do anything. And so you are absolutely right. We are in much worse shape now than we were 11 years ago when I began this line of research. Walk me through, when you say we're in worse shape, what did they do technologically today? How have they... Have they had more social control today than they had even when you started uh, started uh, getting deep into this 11 years ago? Well, I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, in Florida, in uh, the 2022 midterms, uh, and in other states too, we were in, we were in 10 swing states in in 2022. But in Florida. Uh, at the beginning of the day, on election day, both conservatives and uh, liberals were getting go vote reminders from Google on their home page. But sometime during the day, Google turned off the go vote reminders to the conservatives. Now, normally no one would know that, but because we monitor, we capture all this ephemeral content, we were able to, to watch this occurring as it occurred. I mean, it was just so startling. And so overall in Florida, 100% of liberals were getting repeatedly reminders to go vote from Google. 59% uh, of conservative conservatives did. That is a massive and blatant and outrageous vote manipulation because if that is done nationwide, we know from published studies published literally by Facebook uh, and some of my colleagues at the University of California, that if that is done nationwide, that gives 450,000 additional votes to one candidate just on election day alone. I'll give you another example, YouTube videos. Google selects which videos are going to be lined up, of course, over on the right. They select which one's going to play next automatically. Google itself has acknowledged that 70% of the videos that people watch on YouTube worldwide are suggested by Google, by their recommender algorithm. 70%. Think of that power. And so our monitoring has told us that uh, two-thirds or three-quarters 
of the videos that they recommend that come from news sources are coming from liberal news sources. And that's true whether you're a conservative, a moderate, or a liberal. And real shocker here, now we're starting to get data from children and teens. We've signed up more than 2,000 of them uh, through their parents. And 96% of the news stories that are going to teens in this country on YouTube are coming from liberal news sources. So they have many, many tools available to them, the answer boxes, the search suggestions, the search results, news feeds, on and on and on. And that's what we're capturing now. And we are measuring the extent of bias and manipulation and indoctrination. And it is absolutely outrageous. And it's unlike any other form of influence that's ever existed in history, because most forms of influence, including the, the ones we talk about under the label of, uh, you know, election fraud or voter fraud, are competitive. Okay, so the, the Dems do ballot harvesting. You know, I heard Senator Steve, Gain, uh, Steve Daines give a speech recently and saying, well, you know what, we need to do better ballot harvesting. You buy a billboard, I can buy a billboard. You buy a commercial, I can buy a commercial. But if one of these big platforms wants to manipulate an election, wants to support one candidate or one party, there's nothing you can do. Nothing. I want to go back to the, to make sure the audience understands this, about the decision to put these ads up, et cetera. These are made, this is not driven by an algorithm of what your likes are or where you tend to go look of conservative news sites or watch War Room. You're saying that 70% of that is actually a decision that Google executives essentially make to put to push that out through these different systems? Their executives, their employees, their algorithms. I mean, you know, you, you'd have to have uh, whistleblowers from the inside telling you exactly how it works in each case. But no matter how it's occurring, I don't care how it's occurring. We're documenting the fact that it is occurring. And we, we through, our, through the experiments that we've been running and publishing in peer-reviewed journals, we know the number of votes that can be shifted with each of these manipulations. In 2020, uh, we preserved more than 1.5 million of these ephemeral experiences. We calculated that Google alone shifted more than 6 million votes to Joe Biden, whom I supported, and the, uh, to my regret. But the point is uh, that 6 million votes, he actually won the popular vote by, I think, about 7 million votes. If Google had stayed out of the election, okay, he, uh, Mr. Trump would have won that election if Google had stayed out. Uh, in that election, uh, uh, Trump won f five of the 13 swing states. If Google had stayed out of it, according to our calculations and our measurements, he would have won 11 of the 13 swing states. Uh, 2022, if Google had stayed out of the election, the GOP would have won a, a majority of between two and eight seats in the Senate. They ended up with a two-seat minority. We know precisely what Google is doing at this point, and we can measure the outcome of all of these different manipulations. And again, this is outrageous stuff. And what's even more outrageous to me, and by the way, I, I explained this in an article I published in the Epoch Times, if people want to go to how Google stopped the red wave, it's where I explain this point, how Google stopped the red wave .com. And what I explain there is that 
our attention has been misdirected by these companies. Google is a, is a big mind control machine after all, and they are directing attention away from what they're doing and getting us to focus on uh, a kind of dirty tricks in politics that are inherently competitive and that don't really move that many votes uh, all together. We're talking hundreds or thousands instead of millions. Yeah. D d d doctor, just hang on for a second. I'll take a short commercial break. We'll be back with Dr. Epstein in a moment. If you're sick and tired of the globalist leftist takeover of America's corporations, go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon and support a company that actually believes in America. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Let me repeat, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, they're the only one. Glenn Story and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I'm proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left, without funding people that hate you. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your number, keep your phone, or upgrade. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Bannon or call 878-PATRIOT, P-A-T-R-I-O-T, 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Bannon. We need to stand together and support companies that share our values. PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon or call 878-PATRIOT. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, it's a long weekend. We've got a special on Saturday about the trial of Ken Paxson. It's going to start on Tuesday. We're going to go to Texas. We're going to spend a couple hours there. You're going to understand why this is a nationwide fight. We're going to explain the entire uh, Bush junta and what they're doing against the grassroots. Uh, you're going to meet people, grassroots people, power players down in Texas you have not met before. And I uh, will tell you, it's going to be fascinating. Also, on Monday, we always do our annual tribute to the American worker and the working class. Uh, we're going to talk about the economics, what you guys face. Also, uh, where the sunlit uplands are. How do we build this economy, focus on working class people and the middle class, uh, not the globalist elites, but on to you. And we're going to go through that on Monday, so a lot to do. One of your homework assignments over the weekend, because we always have homework assignments here, go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. Get the end of the dollar empire. We're now in our third installment uh, to walk you through currency and how is it central. Understanding the Federal Reserve and the monetary system is central to you as an American citizen. Remember, for hundreds of years, they want you to be, uh, they want you to not have the knowledge of how the system actually works, and you can't make changes until you actually understand how it works. Go to birchgold.com, and please ask them why the central banks, when you get one of the operatives on the phone, Philip Patrick's team, ask why the central bank, our Federal Reserve is focused on a central bank digital currency, 
and uh, and not what the global south is doing, the BRICS nations, which are making a rational decision. They're saying, hey, the hobbits, the deplorables, MAGA, they don't have control of their fate in the United States, but we're going to take control of our fate. We're just not going to let the American elites, the Western elites, bury us in a mountain of fiat currency that's losing its purchasing power uh, every year. Uh, they're going to get some sort of uh, de-dollarization first and then some sort of currency backed by gold. Not convertible into gold, but backed by gold. So go to burstgold.com. Uh, Dr. Epstein, uh, and we're going to hold you. He's been gracious enough. We're going to hold him through the break and, and also go to the second hour with him. Uh, and we got John McLaughlin, the pollster, who's going to give us some detailed cross tabs on some mathematics of the polling that have come out. Doctor, I, you know, we've had Professor Dershowitz on a lot, and, and, and people, our audience really admires him for the fact he's a liberal. And he says, hey, you know, he defended Trump in the first impeachment because he thought it was his moral duty as a defender of the Constitution, but he's voted against him twice, and he wants the option to vote against him a third time. You're, you're a classic American liberal. You're, you're not MAGA. You're not a Trump supporter. You're not, you don't vote Republican. Why is this such a big deal for you? So many people on the left are saying, hey, guess what? We've got an apparatus. It works. Uh, it drives the uh, the domestic terrorist fascist out of the playing field. And anybody that comes up against that, including Dershowitz or people like yourself, are going to be pariahs. Why would you do that to yourself to defend something politically that you're not on the side of? The answer to that is very simple. It's that I love America. I love our system of government. Uh, I love the freedoms we have more than I love any particular party or candidate. I think that's uh, Dershowitz's logic as well. Uh, it seems to me that if you're a person of integrity, whichever side of the aisle you identify with, you should love America more than you love any particular party or candidate. It, to me, it's just it's a no-brainer. Now, it has caused tremendous problems in my life. Uh, with with friends and family in particular, and even more so taking on uh, some of the most powerful companies in the, that have ever existed in the world has caused terrible problems in my life. So uh, this is not easy to do, and I have almost almost 50 people working with me, and you know it's caused some problems for some of them as well. This is what we're doing is very very hard to do, and there are very powerful forces that don't want us to do it. Before we go uh, to break, to go to the next hour and, and reboot you. Um, uh, this whole concept, you're a believer, you're kind of classic old school science, I'm going to go where the truth tells me and where the math tells me versus scientism. Talk to me about that. Isn't a lot we see today kind of scientism and what you're saying is that, hey, I'm going to follow this to wherever it goes to whatever the conclusion is. Forget the politics of it. Well, to be brutally truthful with you, uh, some of the folks that I've seen uh, who call themselves statisticians, and I've, I mean, I have a PhD from Harvard. I've taught statistics at the doctoral level. I use statistics every day in my research. I'm now directing 31 research projects. But some of these so-called statisticians who I've seen on the air uh, flashing numbers at people and talking about voter fraud, they should be ashamed of themselves. They don't know what they're doing, and they cannot publish in peer-reviewed journals. So, yes, I go with 
the truth as as close as I can get to the truth. I go with the math. I go with the data. And I'm more skeptical of my own work than anyone else is. I did not believe when we first started running experiments on the power of biased search results to shift votes, I did not believe our results. I didn't believe them at all. I thought we had just made mistakes. I was I was predicting that with biased search results, we could shift uh, the opinions of undecided voters, shift their votes by two or three percent. We, in the first experiment we ever got, we got a shift of forty three percent. That that's that's impossible. So you know what I do, I do very very carefully and rigorously. I re, I, I repeat my experiments over and over again, and we don't send them off for publication until we are sure. We go through peer review. We've published in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. We've just had three pieces published in Plus One, which is one of the top journals in the world in all the sciences. Uh, and yeah, I go with what the numbers. Tell me the numbers. If you're doing your work right and and you're replicating and uh, you're you're skeptical about what you're getting, you get to the truth. And I did not believe that a company like Google has the power that it actually has to shift opinions and votes and purchases and opinions and attitudes. That it has the the ability to indoctrinate our kids without anyone knowing what it's doing. I didn't believe any of that. It's taken me years and years and years, and I have become a believer. Dr. Robert Epstein, can you please hold on? We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to return. We've got Dr. Robert Epstein. He's going to talk to us about the six and a half million to twenty-five million that could be shifted in the twenty twenty-four election when everybody's kind of asleep about this. Also, John McLaughlin is going to be here uh, with his latest uh, polling. We're talking about some cross tabs. Short commercial break. We're going to be back in the war room in just a moment. But the games you want to play Bring it on and I will fight to the end Just watch and see It's all started Everything's begun And you are over Cause we're taking down the CCP Spread the word all through Hong Kong We will fight till they're all gone We rejoice when there's no more Let's take down the CCP Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. 
You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.